Welcome to the Information Entropy Podcast. I'm Mitchell, or am I? We don't know. Every week I have the same existential crisis when I announce my name. One of your hosts. I'm also joined by the curious uh, Tom Tom Jenks. Uh, uh, uh. Okay, well, we'll come on to that in a second. This week we're diving into the captivating world of music. From the science of melodies, the stories behind iconic tunes, we've got a harmonious mix of knowledge and humour ready for you. So whether you're a show singer or a music lover, get ready to tap your shoes and laugh out loud. And we welcome you to the Information Entry Podcast. So there's some new science uh, that's just, just come out, and it's about call to actions. And apparently, you only can do one. Otherwise, it puts people off. So if you could follow us on Spotify, we'd appreciate it. Cheers. Let's get right into it. <laughs> hey, Tom, how's it going? Hey, I mean, yeah, good, good, thanks. Are you sure? Because what, what, what were the noises? Uh, the noises were my laughing and trying to contain said laughter at your existential crisis that you have each week. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hi, I'm Mitchell. <laughs> it's like it's, that it's scene the- in Loki where he's like, please step through the metal, de- uh, the alien detector, the robot detector. And he's like, if you're a robot, it'll melt you to pieces. He's like, yeah. how do I know I'm not a robot? <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, Am I Mitchell? My name is? Is it just my name? Or is it? do I embody all Mitchells? Um, yeah. Deep. Yeah, a bit about the whole uh, call to actions. I was watching... I can't remember what, but... Uh, oh, it was Commander at Home. Yeah. You know Commander at Home? I've heard of. Uh, Brian Kibler... Uh, and oh, I can't remember her name. It's unfortunate. Uh, but Brian Kibber, who is a MTG Hall of Famer, who now streams uh, Hearthstone whilst also playing Magic the Gathering in spare time, has created a show, fastest growing commander show on YouTube, actually. And they had they get like other industry professionals and people from the internet who are funny, and they're all friends with like Aaron Hansen from the Game Grumps, and he said. That the research they've done on Game Grumps is you can only have one in a set. I think it's like one in in ten minutes, or like a segment, and then you have okay. another call to action afterwards. Otherwise, too many that people just turn off. Yeah, oh, I see. So we shouldn't just be reeling off. No, and yeah, do, do a call to action dump. Yeah, that's why you shouldn't do that. Uh, right at the start, maybe do it at the end, but not at the start. So that's why we didn't do it. This is why my new thing. Just being like, follow us on uh, Spotify. Cheers. Appreciate it. Yeah, nice. Learning. Yeah. Although now we've just accidentally done two in three minutes, so... Uh, I'm not sure. It, it can be the same one. And we're discussing it. It's not like, you know... <laughs> I'm rubbing down people's throat. Um, <laughs> right. Before we move into... what What's that melody? For oh. you Overwatch fans out there. Um, got some news. News. What's this? about rusty magnetic nanoparticles? Okay. Yeah. So uh, researchers have uh, found which I this is I, I enjoy I enjoy researchers so much because they're just like we did this thing and it's great. Um, magnetic rusty nanoparticles can pull estrogen out of water. So they're, they're, they're finding it, they've, they've marketed it with the term smart rust. Um, yeah. And it could one day help pull pollutants out of waterways, leaving cleaner water behind. 
Researched Abdorn's tiny particles of iron oxide, better known as rusk, with sticky molecules that grab onto estrogen or and similar hormones in water samples. So a magnet can, that can be that can remove both the particles and the trumped pollutants from the water. Oh, so it's like this water is contaminated. We're gonna to to throw a load of this smart rust in and then get it all out with a magnet. Yeah, afterwards. After it all sinks. Yeah, okay. That's cool. That's clever. Yeah, I thought you would like this. So, um, with the nano particles, uh, this one called uh, Lucas Mueller reported that they were able to clean very different kinds of environmental pollutants than you normally would from like using a net of things. From like, yeah. So, estrogen hormones uh, typically enter waterways through humans or other animal waste, which is something that here in the UK we are struggling with. Fuck you, government. Uh, um, <laughs> it's my only comment on that allowing water companies to run amok for over a decade go shove one of those pipes up your asses um, even low concentrations can be harmful uh, and have chronic effects on aquatic life like high instances of cancer or reproductive issues um, so this uh, wastewater treatment plants, plants can remove some estrogen homo- hormones by uh using these rusty nanoparticles, which then can then be incorporated into their uh, filtering systems when they're putting like their wastewater through it. The only problem at the moment is it's not cheap to produce these nanoparticles, but it is very early doors on what they can do. Um, so currently they kind of like put this together, tried to add, it worked consistently in their, their, um, research now they're trying to improve it and also make it cheaper to produce so yeah yeah i don't know that, exactly that how it really works <laughs> just um, i love this brilliant the the team are currently investigating exactly how the molecules of the nanoparticles surface grab and hold onto the estrogen at an atomic scale um and once they know that then they, they can then imp- improve the estrogen binding specifically even more that is quite, how do they discover this then if they don't know how it works? I think they got the idea be like, okay, we'll do this and we'll, we'll know that some like particles in the water will be attracted to it. And then once they did it, they were like, oh, okay, estrogen is here. Once they did like the removal of the particles, did the analysis, yeah. this is better than we thought we thought it was going to do. Um, I mean, where you go, boys, uncle. Honestly, that's great. That's really cool. Yeah. I mean, it's so clever to use magnets for that. Yeah, yeah. to then like pull it up. Because you could just be like, okay, we're going to put it in this section. Create a little, I don't know, specialized section in a river. And then just yeah. chuck it in. Because what you could do is have like uh, underwater grates that are magnetized. So either it stops it at a certain time or you could drag a magnet through it post. Yeah, you just have to introduce the particles at some point though and the regulations would dictate that you have to ensure that you know X amount of the particles are also removed you know, otherwise you're just polluting. Yes, you are. Yeah. But easier to it's one of those like the harming pollutants it's like it's better to have the metal than the estrogen with it yeah that's because fair. easier to get the metal 
than it is to pull. Well, it would estrogen. bind to it anyway. You just end up with a iron binded estrogen. Yeah, yeah. I think the, the the greater use here is actually if uh, waste plants start using it because they could just chuck it into one of their big old circular tubs that they use. Oh, that's true. Before it goes out. Yeah, before it even gets pumped into the river, they've got another step. And yeah. farms as well, they could put it essentially in whatever wastewater thing they use. Yeah, that would be great. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome source. All right. So, yeah, you, got some, you said you actually have some facts. I do have some facts, yeah. So, music this week. Yeah. Um, facts. <laughs> weird noise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, love so music. Facts. Heartbeat synchronization. Studies have shown that music with a tempo of around 60 to 80 beats per minute can synchronize uh, with the human heartbeat. So the the heartbeat changes, obviously, not not the song, Um, leading to a calming and relaxing effect. Um, So some people, you know, listen to music, it calms them down. Perhaps this is why. I find music quite calming most of the time. But I think it distracts my brain just enough that I feel calmer than when nothing's happening. Mm-hmm. I'm sure some people will relate to that. Um, and then I've also got the world's shortest and longest song. So oh, I know, I know what the longest song is. Okay. Uh, we, well, we'll you... start with the shortest song then, shall we? And then yeah. the shortest song is "You Suffer" by the band Napalm Death. Fucking Napalm Death Guinness is a banger. World it holds the Guinness World Record for the shortest recorded song, lasting just 1.316 seconds. Um, and then, yeah, okay, the, the longest piece of music. What, what have you got for us? That is the... Uh, I can't remember what it's called. Probably, like, play it as slow as possible, something along those lines. But it's currently being played in Germany at a church, isn't it? And it's a oh. organ... That is playing an automated song. And it started in 2001. And I think it's like 700 years. So what I've got here is the song is called Long Player, a composition that has been playing continuously since the year 2000 and will continue to do so without repetition until the year 2999. All right. That's different because I got the uh, okay so okay um, this is a performance is what this is done under so uh, okay so the longest song ever recorded because uh, interesting interesting because this this <laughs> why I like the church one is um it plays so slowly that. Uh, if you're visiting you have to wait two months for a chord to change and the performance is so slow changing those chords that the organ wasn't finished before the concert began because they had two months to then install the next pipe oh that's quite (laughs) funny so yeah no this is a uh, self-extending composition uh, by composer and musician Jem Feiner and yeah, it started playing on the first uh, midnight on the first of January two thousand, and should continue until the thirty first of December twenty nine ninety nine. Hmm. Yeah. All right. 
Pretty cool. Um, yeah, every two minutes a starting point and each of the six pieces is calculated uh, which have been composed for it from which they then play for the next two minutes and uh, yeah, I think it's just an algorithm. Ah, uh, that's yeah. a bit... A bit dull. A bit dull, but Yeah, there it's we just go. an algorithm that's made it. This this one in Germany, someone actually wrote the music? Yeah, no, someone wrote this. Six different pieces have been composed. It's just the order in which it plays in two-minute increments is determined by an algorithm to make sure no repetition occurs. Yeah, that's, that's cheating in my eyes. Okay. I know a lot of stuff is like music nowadays, like done on computers to work out timings and all that sort of jazz, but someone actually wrote this piece in Germany. <laughs> like wrote it, wrote it properly. Wrote it, wrote it, yeah. Yeah, not because anybody can, because essentially what I could essentially do is, is do the same thing, make 10 pieces of music, make an algorithm that just fucking, you know, switches it up, sends the power of 10 and all that jazz. You could, but have you? No, but I'm saying... No, like, no, well, not, well then, well, if you did... It's really impressive you, then, to be <laughs> like, oh yeah, I'm just going to write an algorithm that can just switch things up every X amount of time. Anyway. No, that's um, fair. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, music. Music. Music, music. Well, I love um, doing the music episodes. Yeah. So well, I get well, to whack out <laughs> the Spotify Obscurify. Yeah, buddy. Well, what is that? Do you want to explain what this is? So... If you don't know and you use Spotify, um, you can connect the you connect to the Spotify API. For those that don't know what an API is, it's essentially a connection to a server that you can pull information and data from. That's all there is. Fancy word for using it. It's an API. Okay, nice. But um, what uh, third parties can do is connect to that uh, API and create fun little websites. Uh, and one of them is called Obscurify. Obscurify as you find out about your taste in music compared to other people. So that's what it's doing. It's got a whole bank of information and it compares what your listing is with other people, every every other Spotify user. It tells you your top genres. Tom, what's your top genre? My top genre? Just you just want just the top one? Yeah, just give me a top one. Like, is it EDM? Oh, it's drum and bass. Oh, cool. Mate, I love, I love that yours is drum and bass. Drum and bass doesn't hit mine. Hit my top ten. Oh, does it not? No, no. So mine's mine's like rock, alternative metal, modern oh. rock, British alternative rock. No, mine's uh, drum and bass, UK dance, dance floor, drum nice. and bass, liquid yeah. funk, progressive liquid house, f- liquid funk. Is that sorry? Did you say aggressive house? Progressive, progressive. Oh, progressive. Okay, yeah. Progressive. Yeah. Is there some that you haven't seen before? on it um, I like of what the usual no. so like rock modern rock rap I've got Indietronica which is always fun it's like Mike Snow and Bombay, Bombay Bicycle Club Folk Pop is again like Ben Howard Passenger oh you the can on them oh I see yeah um, um, alternative metal was good I've got some modern rock on here modern it's rock like everything everything stereophonics Bastille yeah, um, pilots, everything, everything, gorillas. I've got for me, POV indie is something I hadn't. Was that uh, seen before? POV point of view indie. Uh, Kid Bloom, Joe, and Willow are up on are up there. 
characterized by its independent DIY approach to production and promotion. Yeah. POV. My obscure ones, Art Pop and Chamber Pop. Where where is this? Oh, most obscure. Oh no, that's just okay. Uh, this is just in top genres, is it? This is mine. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Everything seems doesn't. Not. I mean, Liquid Funk. Liquid Funk. Um, sure. Etherwood. Kino. Oh, hybrid Minds. Wood. It's really it's interesting. It's kind of liquid drum and bass, really. Yeah. Uh, race. I can't watch you. Oh, was it like a lashes? She was having something done. And the person who was doing it was like a big EDM fan and yeah. was like mentioning like liquid drum and bass because they went to like this thing, but she's not into liquid drum and bass. It's like, what came back like, I want to say at the time, but like, what's the difference between like liquid drum and bass and like jungle <laughs> and drum and bass? <laughs> and I was like, it's, it's hard to, a lot of the time it's just the drums. Like jungle well, is normally like quick, like like tappy drums with like, and then liquid drum bass is more like there's a synth, slower, like ebb and flow to it. Hard, hard to describe. Drum and bass I would associate with a bigger drop, like culmination. Liquid drum and bass has that constant going on like behind it, yeah, which just soothes my brain to no end. So I can, li- I literally just, that's, it's ma- mainly what I listen to just because it, it chills me out. I, yeah. like my listening, so what, okay, you get an obscurity rating. Yes. What did you get? 96%. 96! Damn, yeah, like, we're, so, we're so, we're so, we're so edgy. We're so edgy. I got 92. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are, we are in the, the upper echelons of that yeah. bell curve. Um, your music is more obscure than 96%. Yeah. Or 431,000 GB users. It's a great brilliant. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. Open summary. Okay. Yeah, it, tells, it tells you. It tells you what your top tracks of all time and your current listening is. Yeah, so top tracks of all time, which... Yeah. Uh, so track... No, this has to be current, surely. But oh, apparently not. Uh, Figure you out by Joe. Then begin by letting go by Etherwood. Oh, uh, everybody party tonight by Cobra Man. Banger. Um, Jet in Jungle by. I feel like I should know that. If it's in my top four, um, Damaged Bug. That is a great tune. And then Living in Hell again by Cobra Man. Nice. I've got The Pressure's On. Solo Electric Live from the Woods from the Andy Shikari album that was produced during COVID. Okay. Uh, Better Days by uh, Mark Chapman, who who used to be the lead singer of Mallory Knox, but then he left, much to uh. my dismay. Uh, Alberto Balsam by the Aphex Twins. It's okay. the song that plays at the end of Four Lions during uh, the credits. Right. Um, absolute banger. Work-Life Imbalance. Okay. Which uh, by... I think you would like it. 
by it's the album's called Dive. It's by C four one eight. It's the guy that does like loads of um gaming music. Like yeah. he did the Minecraft music. Yeah, I do know C four one eight. Yeah. One absolute genius. And then Every Day by Rod Stewart, Miguel and Mark Ronson. So if you haven't seen this website which before... Is, which is ASAP, that's ASAP Rocky, by the way, if you didn't uh, know. I, I did not. Oh, and I did then I, I think my, my, my current listening is I will have like five to ten songs that I will hyperfixate on that will randomly come to me from either like a random playlist or I'll see something on the internet. Like at the moment, Now We Are Free by Hans Zimmer, which is the oh, yeah. gladiator song when he is walking through the fields of gold after he's died at the end. Um, and the reason why that's come out and I'm now on a Hans Zimmer spree is I saw a TikTok of an Italian guy who's driving along, handbrakes his car. He's got his wife and his kid in the back like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And then he gets out and starts walking through his field and it's the same field as no the, <laughs> the end of um, Gladiator. And it's like, if you know, you know. And I was like, oh, well, now I'm going to put that on my playlist. Um, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah I go through phases like a few weeks ago if I'd looked at this I'm sure it just would have been rap whereas now it's oh, what, kind, what kind of rap um oh, honestly I could not tell you oh, what kind of rap I just thought me... what the artists are oh, all the artists. again I, I go through music so quick that uh I forget these things very quickly. Okay. Let me find it in my in my list. Um, Jack Harlow was there for a little bit. Where is that one specific song? Yeah, I got I got Skepto to my current top. Sign C Y N E. Daphunix Forty Niners, A One. Um, Aunt Lillian Phonics, absolute it's tunes. Words. Uh, Kid Cudi is my my top. If you're feeling for rap, uh, no, I, I could not name like, you a Kid Cudi song. Day and Night, Mr. Rager, Pursuit of Happiness, some good songs. But if you scroll down, it tells you your mood. Oh, <laughs> yeah, and it tells you like if you're sadder or happier than average. Your most obscure. <laughs> Oh, yeah, oh, here I've got going, my most obscure now. artist. Read the news. Yeah, Gazedia. Yeah. Manta Ray Brin. Oh, God. if you haven't heard Manta Ray Brin, go check it out. You just have a great time. Just keep going. Keep going. I'm going to your news. Oh, okay. Um, happiness. Okay. Your music is getting sadder or angrier. Your current taste is 26% sadder than the average. <laughs> 20%? <laughs> oh, mine was 11 and I thought I was bad. <laughs> I, I do you know what I've had this issue. Like, I'll put on music that I really like the sound of, but not really listen to maybe the lyrics or the the tune really calms me down. But then people mm. are like, oh, this is depressing, and I'm like, well, uh, it, it yeah, but it's fucking banger. <laughs> yeah, but it slaps. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it absolutely slaps. Um, um, my top example of this would be Loadstar and Lifeline. Loadstar, yeah, Loadstar. Um, just a banger but yeah quite sad i guess if you actually listen to it yeah so what uh 
because you listen to a lot of like electronic surely your acousticness which is the final thing is that have you got like a current taste is yeah current more taste is 12.5 percent more electronic well than average. i'm not and a cool chill too uh my all time was 6.2 percent so i guess i'm smashing that currently yeah currently um at the park yeah gunship i have been listening to a lot of gunship recently so that would make sense uh, favorite example everything stays uh which is like the sad song from okay. adventure time <laughs> uh yeah yeah fair um yeah. your current taste is 9.3 percent more energetic but 5.6% less danceable. <laughs> yeah, it's just oh, like dear. hardcore drum and bass. You can't dance to that, but it's, it's energetic. Yeah. <laughs> You've There's been listening time to place. music from five decades. Oh, I'm only on two. <laughs> <laughs> I got the 1950s, and that's okay. um, Big Iron. Uh, if, if you played um, Fallout 3 or 4, can't remember which one it is. Uh, Big Iron is one of the songs that plays on the radio that you can listen to. <laughs> uh, okay. That's why that. Uh, 1990s is um, Never Meant, which is the American American football, which is like uh, some... I think it's... What was it? It's, it's like Western Emo. <laughs> right. And Apex Twins. And then we've just got Gladiator of the 2000s, Mr. Rager, and the National Aerobic Championship theme. Wow. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Just, of course, yeah. <laughs> have, you, have, you listened, have you ever listened to that? No. <laughs> right. Uh, I wonder if I can play it, because <laughs> it's, it's from the... Uh, I can't do me. Um, it's from a, a Key and Peele sketch. Right. That... Uh, one of them, uh, they're in a like, championship when it's one on one, and they're dancing, and one of them like orchestrates a hit on the other one's family, and they're like in hospital, but they're still dancing to like, an, and it's aerobic dancing, so it's like a, they're having like a battle, right? And there's a guy behind the camera that's like holding up these like cue cards, like your wife's in hospital, there's been an accident, <laughs> but they're just continuing to dance this whole time. Oh, it's absolutely fantastic all right i'll definitely check it out then it sounds like a good time um uh, i'm honestly yeah. quite surprised that i'm in the two decades so only 2010 and 2020 um, uh, at the moment yeah but a lot of the music that i've been listening to i think is trying to replicate 80s synth so it's just okay. like a lot of synth yeah. wave and a lot of like outrun music and if you have I no idea love what that outrun is, music Go and Love. imagine you're playing an 80s Oof. arcade game. Yes. And you just got sick tunes, beats to drive the night away to. So go do yourself if you go driving, to that. If you, if you go driving, put them to outrun. Great yeah. time. Try not Honestly, to speed, but great yes. time. Great time. It's just one of those things. It's just, it will keep you company for hours. Uh, but I imagine a lot of people may find it boring after a while. But uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's a good time though. It's a good time. Good time. All um, right. Other, before we move on, there's other good websites like Icebergify. Um, 
that is really good for tracking your trends over a certain time period, um, which is great. I think there's, there's more like Judge My Spotify, which is an, an AI that literally just s s shames you for your music taste. Uh, oh, yeah. Icebergify. Oh, okay, it gives you like uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven layers, eight layers of how yeah. common your music is. <laughs> That's great. Um, I have very little above the waterline, actually. Uh, okay, what we got here? Turn on pilots, gorillas, red cheap peppers, Kanye West, some of it down. Lo-fi fruit music, which is <laughs> the most generic of all things. Um, um I have post below, like at the top Benjamin. level. I have nothing in the level below that. Uh, got some so. just disclosure below that. That's a good time. Uh, right at the bottom, though, read the news. Oh, I've got Zedia synthwave nexus. <laughs> Bloody orchards hell. is good. If you haven't listened to the orchards, everybody listen to the orchards. Math pop at its best. Right, but getting on to some actual stuff as of us waffling on. Yeah. Um. Where does where taste. does your musical taste come from? Oh, I, I don't know. Probably my neuro spicy brain. Just wanting to be calm. Possibly, possibly a neuro spicy brain. But uh, there's a lot of uh, evidence that's pointing to age or. Uh, as it's called, the magic age in oh, which okay. you develop music. Um, according to some professor of psychology, they believe that uh, just as every human has a critical age for language development, there's also a critical age for your taste in music to develop. And they believe it starts around age 14, which is about right. Thinking about my own experiences of when I was like, okay, this from, like, the parents and the influences of, like, friends, but I'm going to, like, listen to this as well. Which right. is ridiculous because, like, friends were listening to, like, Avenged Sevenfold and Heavy Metal. And then from another friendship group, they were, like, EDM and Pendulum. So we went to see Pendulum. And then my parents, I don't know, started my dad's taste of music. That's wobbly. If he had an Obscurify, I'm sure he'd be set like, 100%. Um... <laughs> road trip was so wonky um so then uh yeah 14 is a critical age where we develop like we you experience um pubertal growth hormones as and thus everything becomes more important as we reach a cognitive development when we establish your tastes at the age of 24 when individuals has reached their peak of music taste acquisition that is a quote from the uh, the professor they are often most open-minded and accepting at this age it also happens to coincide on a on a general level with it's normally the age as well that you're meeting lots of different people from different backgrounds like possibly university possibly going to workplace possibly moving away you kind of like become a, a melting pot um and their music heard at that age normally sticks with you forever as an individual yeah I, I'd, I'd agree with that i've got some songs that relate back to the university that i know will just always invoke certain memories yes there's also that um so and they will stick with it. like every so often like oh i haven't heard that song in a while and i'll, I'll go back to like a set of maybe five to ten songs that i yes. just like yes i won't listen yeah. to them very often 
and I won't keep them on repeat, but I will just like, oh yeah, I need to listen to that song. Um, yeah, that, that for me, that like Gorillas is normally like I'll go and listen to the Plastic Beach album or oh, a yeah. few songs off there, like the self entitled album. Um, yeah, for me, I'll always come back to Max Elto, City Lights. <sighs> if you haven't heard it, go do yourself a favor. Absolute banger. Uh, five slightly out Metro there. City. But it's a good one. <laughs> We're just imposing our music taste on people at this point. Um, <laughs> no, don't okay, but don't go listen to Fireflies. No one needs to listen to Fireflies. <laughs> you would not believe your eyes. Uh, Fred again. I've been on the hype train for recently. I must admit. It's yeah, it's Halsey. Fred again. Absolute yeah. bangers. Do you know what makes me most excited about Fred again? He's doing songs with um, the streets. Oh, is he? Yeah. So, um, Mike uh, Desert Island Duvet is... Uh, I can never remember the guy's name that does... Who sings Streets. Oh, that's going to annoy me. But yeah, Fred again did a song with him. And it's brilliant. Absolutely fantastic. I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll go uh, check that out. Yeah. Uh, moving on with the actual sciencey bit. Uh, also, what then happens after the age of 24 uh, is an, an individual's ear will begin to lose sensitivity to higher pitches, apart from mine apparently, but that's more of autism than it is uh, aging, <laughs> and therefore will be unable to detect small changes in pitches. This makes music less vibrant and pleasurable than music they've heard during the peak of their lives. Thus, it is less preferable because a lot of it is when you heard it originally when you were younger, you then create that as you said, your memories of it. So when you go yeah. to listen to it, you also remember what it sounded like when it came out. Whereas new music you listen to, you can't hear the, like the the what do you call it? The, the detail, the detail of the music. Um. So, but one of the biggest reasons why this happens is because after the age of twenty four, the personality of an individual will start to firm up, and they will be more sure of their identities and can no longer be influenced or challenged by others. So their music is like, I like this music. Everything else sucks. Um, yeah. That's wild. I, I've had a complete random offshoot thought here is, uh, now, like, oh, your personality doesn't solidify until after you're 24. Yeah, there are people out there having like, you know, back in the day, oh, you should have a kid before you're 20. Wild. Some people do that now. <laughs> Absolutely wild. And yeah. uh, that's like, great. And they do it very well. And fair play to you've them. You've got like but. a oh. house and a, a and a child by the age of 20. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what's, what's going on. What's going on in the world? Anyway, uh, we had enough economy? of that chat last week. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, <you can> t- <laughs> one, of the, one of the things I looked at was uh, music in the animal kingdom. Of course you would. You nut, you animal nut. <laughs> <laughs> Um, now, one of the things I study now you're going to say it's not language, is, Tom. Is vocal learning? Um, now I'm going to say it's not language. Well, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Um, so it, like music is the the language of the body. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, they're just out there raving in the in the forest. <laughs> Before you get into it, let me guess: it's to do with having sex, reproductive. When it's music and Animal Kingdom, well, I think Am I'm I right? a slightly different route. I do love me a bit of sexual uh, okay. selection, though, um, but I have avoided that for a while. So I study a phenomenon known as vocal learning, which is 
the ability for an animal or species, I suppose, to hear a sound, form a mental template of that sound, and then reproduce that sound. So if I, you know, I hear a car go past, I can, you know, mentally imagine what a car sounds like and attempt to reproduce that. It'll probably be awful, but I could at least try. And that's how our language forms. That's meant to be one of the driving characteristics of human language. Um, but we also find that in other species as well. And sometimes we refer to this as song. So you think about bird song or whale song. Um, now, do I think they are actually song slash music? <laughs> I would have to say no. Mm. Purely for the fact, like say, for example, gibbons, they are one of the small, they are the smallest ape species. Um, so they're not monkeys, they're apes, like gorillas, orangutans. Um, they produce very complex songs. And it was found actually that these songs were completely genetically driven and were actually inherited from the parents. But evolutionarily, it means that those kinds of systems were in place and specifically in our potential ancestors. And that we've just gained voluntary motor control over the onset and perhaps the complexity in what we call song. I think I would consider song as something that is created for the purpose of entertainment or expression rather than as you as like maybe it is with songbirds and, and whales, as you correctly suggested, I would go down the route of um, mating. Right. Yeah. So a song, a song, yeah, but that, you know, then music is what I think you originally said. So we it switch is. those words around. So mu and music is like for the others, whereas song can be, as you said, a songbird. Okay, that's fair. So song involves voice. No. As you said, no. song is made for just the enjoyment of others. Yes. So the songbird and the songs that they make is just a bone down. It has, yes. it's less for just a certain enjoyment, but it has a, a evolutionary meaning to it. Exactly, yeah. Which is why I guess I wouldn't classify it as song as we inherently think about it when we think of a song, right, yeah. as, as music. Um, that being said, though, there are lots of studies that have looked at entrainment or rhythm in animals. And this is actually a really interesting topic and rabbit hole that I went down during my master's. Um, very interesting. But basically, there's this really great paper by Peter Cook. It came out in 2002, 2009. And there's a video of this on YouTube as well. He trained a Californian sea lion, uh, Ronan, to bob her head along and in time with music, such as the Backstreet Boys. Um, so, yeah, if you want to look at a sea lion dancing in time to music, you can find that, I think, pretty easily. To test whether he had taught her to just bob her head at a certain pace or whether she was actually picking up on the musical beat, he exposed her to novel songs as well, or songs that she had not yet been exposed to. She showed that she was able to beat her head along to the songs that she'd never heard before. Now, why is that such a big deal? Well, previously to this, um, in other papers released in the same year, 2009, they had put forward a hypothesis that stated the ability be, to be able to pick up on rhythm and tap along to it or bob along to it or uh, express that in whichever way you want to, um, evolutionarily comes after vocal learning, that thing that I explained previously, comes after being able to mimic and produce mm -hmm. sounds outside of your normal repertoire. 
So along comes the sea lion, notoriously not a vocal learner, or at least, well, it's quite highly debated, we're, we're quite unsure, but most people seem to think they're not, and is able to entrain to a beat. So the question then becomes, actually, in evolutionary terms, what came first? The production of music in terms of a musical or vocal sense, or the ability to find a rhythm and, you know, go along with that rhythm intrinsically. So perhaps this could boil down to, in in the human terms, did our ability to create music, perhaps through percussion and other fairly primitive uh, means of musical creation, come before our ability to sing? And no one really knows. That is uh, still unanswered. Sorry, you but, say... Run me back. Run that, run that back again. Okay, so... You say percussion as in use of instruments. Yeah. Uh, basically, we used to think that the, human, like the ability to mimic sounds, our vocal learning, was a prerequisite to be able to tap along to music and understand like there is a rhythm to music, right? Then a sea lion comes along and shows that even though they're not vocal learners, they can tap along to music. So it kind of flipped the paradigm on its head. Perhaps being able to tap along to a song came before our ability to vocally learn. And perhaps that's the prerequisite. Then you can extrapolate this to the evolutionary uh, human timeline and pose it as the question of, did we sing first and then tap along to music? Or did we tap along to music and then sing? You know, there's a lot in, in science where they look, they, they are scientists, are scientists like, what does it fucking matter? I hate to say it, but A, you could argue it would have happened at the same time. It's like a chicken and the egg scenario. Yeah. Which with science, we can tell that the egg came first because there would have been a mutation. We're not going to go into that. But A, <laughs> it would have been like, if they were going to do it, it would have been like a matter of months, <laughs> surely. And B, what would it what would it even change if they did tap along first essentially it explains our understanding of the development of communication systems both within the natural and human world so along from that it can stem to conservation efforts to trying to preserve animal communication methods that we're not currently uh trying to preserve so how do we know so in the case of whales for example boat noise provides a lot of background noise that we realize now that they that, are trying to compensate tr- for that's true for making yeah. louder sound right well um, humans also are developmental uh issues in the human sense as well we if we can understand perhaps what came first it may be deeper in the brain um that may relate to other modes of therapy other modes of language acquisition and development and treatment yeah, but with all the treatment that's currently going on they're not basing it off off the idea of oh yeah we sang first as a species so we've made like cbt therapies or um receptor therapies based on that they well, base because it they on... don't know it's because we don't know what we did first but it's a possibility. We don't know where no, this the music. Ther- I'm not saying the music therapies that have been developed now, they've gone through those tests to see what works best. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So all they're going to do is f- fill a link that you don't really need to be... Anyway, it doesn't really matter. I think it's evolutionarily, I, I we just want to it. understand the process of what leads to what 
why and then how we can look at this and understand it in a variety of other species yeah and it's also like it's such a gray area like what do you like tapping a foot okay like because like the 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 idea is the, the first musical instrument in brackets human voice would have been singing humming whistling possibly clicking coughing or even possibly yawning they've got down here which i, I find musical yawning could could be horrifying the, a, a choir of neanderthals <laughs> yawning yeah it is it's an acquired taste um <laughs> uh, but then do you know the the oldest instrument they found no musical I don't. instrument was it like a, a pair um, of bones like a a cave bear femur dated to be 50,000 to 60,000 years old uh but they found produced by neanderthals oh wow they like drilled it out made some some noises so it's so, not yeah. even human no, no, not a human theme, a cave cave bear. No, but, I mean, but, well, if it was made by Neanderthals, what I'm saying is the instrument is not even human. It's not a Homo sapien instrument. Yeah. Which is crazy. Wild yeah. to me. So, like, at the start of Homo sapiens, there would have been instruments. Yeah. Inferring that. So, Well, know. not necessarily. I mean, we exist at the same time. But yes. That's true. That's yeah. true. Really cool. Yeah. Really cool. Um, one thing, uh, I had a message over the last, I think a couple of weeks ago, um, from Adam. So shout, shout out to Adam. He was listening to the Senses episode that we produced quite a while back now. And yeah. he mentioned that you, uh, Mitch, had spoke about how you found some musical phrases quite enjoyable and he messaged me to actually speak about why this is the case which i hadn't come across before um so what he's what can can you remind me about musical phrases um or that's just what he said uh maybe that's not the way you phrased it um okay unsure uh (laughs) but basically this comes down to things called musical cadences have you come across this yes I, I had not I'm as a non-music player or yeah. theorist I I'd never come across any of this so a musical cadence are fundamental structures uh, in music that influence our perception and emotional response you can think of it as a mark in the language of music like periods question marks exclamation points um, they give us a sense of closure or suspense much in the way a sentence can conclude or need us to the next idea so there are four types of cadences. Uh, the perfect cadence, this is the most conclusive and satisfying cadence. It leads from a dominant to a tonic chord. So mm-hmm. in the key of C major, yeah. it goes uh, from the chords G to C. It sets up tension that resolves perfectly and uh, is often used to conclude musical phrases and pieces. You have the perfect cadence. This is the most conclusive and satisfying cadence. Um, Oh, I've just had the, the perfect cadence repeated four times. <laughs> I just uh, I just looked at this completely wrong. So let me just go back to my other research page here, and I'll be able to get this very quickly. Um, K. 
cadences, cadences. Mm-hmm. There's a fancy bit of um, research as well that came out in 2021 that... If you found it yet, I'll just keep talking. I have found it, it, yes. Yeah. Ah, okay. Um, so, so, sorry, that, that you have the imperfect cadence which leaves a sense of partial resolution, creating a feeling of suspense or anticipation, often used to create a pause uh, or a moment of musical interest. You have the plagal cadence, which has a peaceful and conclusive quality, often associated with religious or introspective themes, often referred to as the Amen cadence, um, and the Amen interrupted break. cadence. So this is a surprises listener by not resolving the expected tonic chord and it creates yeah. a sense of tension and can convey emotions such as surprise um and an unexpected twist damn so, those tonic chords yeah if there's Dang any it. time you haven't felt satisfied by a piece it's because it wasn't the perfect cadence apparently yeah. or it was a hymn so <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> I'm true. joking so the research <laughs> I, I was talking about happened in 21 is a bunch of uh psychologist looked at uh the brain being a prediction machine that anticipates yes. the future when you listen to music which is like when you sort of about the, the cadence yeah uh which is absolutely wild so <laughs> because we live our lives in real time watching events unfold moment by moment to make better sense of the world our brains automatically predict how some events will unfold moments into the future so if there's like things deja vu things like that it may be because there's been like a conscious prediction of the future and then it's happened something like that but it also happens with music which is crazy um it's, it can happen with like the latest uh pop tunes or like back Ugh. uh the brain doesn't passively wait for a song to unfold instead when a musical phrase as we've said before as unresolved or like uncertain qualities, it's to do with how our brain is automatically predicted how the melody is going to end. And then if it doesn't do that, that's when, the, like you said, it has like a, the reason it was a modal tone. What was, what was the, the one that was like a surprise? Um, that was the interrupted cadence or the plagal cadence. Yeah. Oh, no, so when the plagal like has happens. a peaceful quality. Uh, it's the imperfect or interrupted cadence. Okay. So yeah, so past ideas on how the human the brain human brain processes music suggested that musical phrases are perceived by looking backwards rather than forwards. But then this new paper published in the Psychological Journal of Science, which you know, take a pinch of salt, do your own research, uh, suggested that the human brain considers that what has come before to anticipate what comes next, and vice versa. So the brain is constantly one step ahead and matches expectations to what is about to happen, which is wild. I always find it being absolutely wild. It's crazy, Um, but it makes sense, right? One of the biggest cognitive bias tests, or not biggest, but one of the most common that you could find is called the uh, expectation violation. You put people in a scenario where they're used to, and then somehow you, you break their expectation. That's yeah, why it's called it's, the expectation violation, right? Yeah. Um, so we do it in everyday life all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is one of the things what the the researchers said was this uh what do you call it? Unexpectancy? Expectation violation? 
the expectation violation yeah but uh they commented saying like um music is the provides the perfect domain to measure something that's otherwise normally quite difficult to measure which is the uncertainty because you can make really ridiculous music that will defy expectations yeah because you can just have like a normal song and then it just ramps left <laughs> i wonder if that's instance. because like we're exposed to a set kind of music through our entire lives that we kind of just is this expectation learnt, or is this expectation inevitable because music sounds good in only a certain way does that make sense yes um that would be that would be my question Mm. um what's what's interesting about this is uh how they use um what they what they define as high entropy tones or more complete tones no right. sorry high entropy tones they define as being more complete and linger on them for longer when they are assessing how they sounded okay uh compared to obviously low entropy they just moved on quicker because i think that's they're defining like the brain knows what's coming next so they don't need to assess it they don't need to sit there and think about their assessment of it because their brain's already prejudged it in their biases oh. whereas if you have the high entropy where there's a lot going on there's a lot of unknowns with it they then have to sit and take a second to assess it oh, that's cool because the uncertainty um. is higher yeah it's, it's really really see, cool i've seen there was a paper that studied cadences across the world to see oh yes is there a universal universality to cadence or is it cultural and are there multiple instances of cadence but what they found was um the cadences are pretty much the same throughout the world uh, okay, okay. They, they may sound slightly different because of the different production systems you've got um but they tap into the same fundamental cognitive and emotional processes because in the end, that's what cadence has come down to, is how they affect the brain and, and our emotional uh, like connectivity to them. So neuroscientist studies have shown that the musical experiences, including the impact of cadences, engage various brain regions. Perfect cadences uh, provide closure and activate areas associated with reward and pleasure and help with the release of dopamine. Imperfect cadences, on the other hand, due to their unresolved nature, engage regions linked to attention and expectancy. Um, so that's probably why, going along with what you just said, it takes a bit longer to process, right? Um, mm -hmm. Your brain isn't resolved. It needs to find the resolution by itself. Yeah. That's super clever. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. Cool stuff, cool, cool stuff wild indeed um no we got about five, five more minutes left you got anything uh i do i do i got loads of stuff on music especially Same. I had I look at, um, <laughs> yeah you also got i had a look at music therapy oh yeah one of those weird things that can be so powerful to help uh people yeah just a bunch of different things um it is actually not a random thing. It is an established psychological clinical intervention to help people whose lives have been affected by injury, illness, and disability through supporting their uh, psychological, emotional, cognitive, physical, and communicative and social needs. Um, it has been proven to help heart rate, reduce anxiety, to stimulate the brain, uh, and improve learning, which is 
every uni student will, will tell you i'll just sit there listening to music whilst they're doing stuff um yeah but there's also reports that have come out stating the opposite with learning um yeah. and then yeah. reports that running, have come out yeah. after all of them that have like so you know so yes there's reports, reports that say uh <laughs> music helps learning and there's reports that say music is a massive detriment to learning and then there's yeah. other papers that are like well actually it just depends who you are so give it a go yeah <laughs> do, do what works for you yeah always the case um one of the big things is uh music therapists using techniques to help patients uh after you know before stress before and after surgeries um ne- and to how is it, neuropathologies uh to help with like alzheimer's disease and yeah. this is really interesting because personally my uh grandma who had alzheimer's and grandfather used to go to something called a memory cafe which is a cafe for older people where they essentially they play board games and uh read books and listen to music all from uh the earlier point in their lives to try and stimulate memories like to kick back those um old memories that they probably would have, would have had back at the time to like was it nuanced what's the word i'm thinking of when you remember back in a nice way nostalgia yes <laughs> that's the word i was looking for uh nostalgia to try and kick some of those memories to help you know keep the brain active to keep those pathways going because i thought is this such a you know that's cool yeah awesome way of doing it i mean they have shown like music has such a strong link to memory not quite as strong as smell so smell is meant to be one of the strongest um, memory links yes. we have, but music 100%. music is up there. And for me, when I, whenever I'm listening to music, most of the time it's not like I'm never really walking around or experiencing something, but it's more of a I'm I'm doing something or I'm reading or I'm working. So I do have, and because my music taste changes so rapidly, I have very specific songs that relate me to very specific books that I was reading at the time and I listen to music when I read books because I don't know I'm weird um uh, weird nah that's not weird it depends depends on the music depends on the music uh, yeah so I have very if it's specific... like the liquid drum and bass that you're listening to then I think that's fine but if I'm like listening to Hamilton then I'm probably going to get a bit distracted if I'm reading yeah. a book trying to listen to Hamilton yeah, yeah that, that's fair and every so often I'll completely forget about like a song exists and I'll listen to it again. I'll just be completely taken back to the world of that book. Uh it's really weird. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I should start reading again. <laughs> Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> oh dear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also it helps babies a lot, you didn't know. I've heard, but I didn't know if that was like a old wives' tale. No, no, no. They use it for loads of things. Um, in the neonative intensive care unit, there's five main techniques designed to benefit premature infants. First is using live and recorded music, uh, which is used to promote promote respiratory regularities and oxygen saturation levels, as well as decreasing signs of neonatal distress. Um since premature infants have sensitive and immature sensory modalities, music is often performed in a gentle and controlled environment, either in the form of audio recordings or live vocalizations. Um, live singing has 
proven to be have a greater effect on this, which is so strange. Um, um, live music also reduces these yeah. uh, physiological responses in parents. Yeah. So uh, combining live music such as harp music with the kangaroo care, uh, I don't know what that is, but if you, if you know, <laughs> um, maternal anxiety is also reduced. This allows for parents, especially mothers, to spend important time bonding with their premature infants. Female singers are also more effective, and I'm not surprised that female voices are more uh, effective at soothing premature infants, because that's just like survivor built into babies. Uh, Kangaroo care is skin-to-skin contact when a baby is placed against the parent's chest. The thing that costs like 6,000. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, another thing that it helps to promote is uh healthy sucking reflex for um when they go to suckle Uh, yeah um it uses by using a pacifier activated lullaby device music therapists can help promote stronger sucking reflexes while also reducing pain perception for the infants so using a pacifier that has got like drum and bass going through (laughs) (laughs) getting them on it early the music therapist uses their fingers to tap on the drum rather than using a mallet the rhythm supports movements when feeding and promotes healthy sucking patterns by improving sucking patterns babies are able to coordinate the important dual mechanism of breathing sucking and swallowing because if you didn't know babies can do all three absolute thing which is ridiculous like is Why wild. is that something that we lose? Being able to swallow and breathe at the same time. It's just just crazy. Just crazy stuff. Um, so yeah, it, it trains them in that kind of like uh, pattern. Next is the uh, multimodal stimulation and music. So uh, combining music such as lullabies and multimodal stimulation, premature infants were discharged from the NICU sooner than those infants who did not receive any therapy. So multimodal simulation, which is MMS, includes the application of auditory, tactile, vestibular, or visual stimulation that helps in aid in premature infant development in combination with music. They uh, happen to sleep better. They conserve vital energy, so they gain weight more rapidly. Just a whole section of things yeah that's great um infant, i've been really thrown off by this uh, baby's swallowing and breathing at the same time <laughs> if you uh, this. so the I'm reason why the, the uh, jury is out from what uh, okay. I, from what i'm reading uh okay, papers okay, in okay. 2022 saying this is ridiculous and then other <laughs> articles being like did you know this is a thing um so yeah, conflicting evidence. Okay. The 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 first one I heard, I heard about I was reading Artemis Fowl, the first book where they meet uh I think it's like a, it's supposed to be like a dwarf that can dig. Right. But they they dig by like consuming and like expelling the dirt. And one of the things that he he says in quotes is yeah, all all humans start off with the ability to swallow and breathe at the same time because that's what he does and he just makes a point that they stop being able to do it whereas they continued oh that's cool that's the one I had uh, I'm yeah. finding one I'm finding one article that's saying uh, the larynx lowers at three months of age which allows the baby 
to learn to uh, talk. Whereas, see, and that's the same difference that we have between uh, us and chimpanzees. They have a much higher larynx, which stops them choking on food particles. Um, but they they don't have as much fine control over it as we do. Yet every other paper is saying this is ridiculous. Don't believe it. So I'm going to have to say it's false. Oh, okay. Fake news, I'm afraid. <laughs> Fake news. Okay. Well, they can swim, though. That's something they know they can they do. They can. They can. Uh, they, they baby can swim, and then they forget how to swim. What are you doing, babes? What babes, are you doing? Babes. The power of the babe. <laughs> power of the babes. Power uh, of the babe. <laughs> other thing. Um, <laughs> oh, just that having a, a calmer environment in the ICNU, just playing, playing music, creates a relaxing and peaceful environment, uh, which means that the, there's a better connection for the parent and infant bonding if there's nicer a nicer environment going on there um yeah makes sense uh parent and infant bonding as well therapists work with parents they may perform infant direct singing techniques as well as home care so they're like specific lullabies that can promote relaxation and decrease heart rate in premature infants um, such as Twinkle Twinkle Little Star isn't just a nice thing to sing to your kids because, you know, you get taught it. It actually has a physical effect um, with, between you and your baby and is shown, like, to actually greatly soothe babies. So it's not just some random cultural thing that we sing. Uh, it actually has, like, a proven reasons for, like why it's really good and it actually promotes higher levels of oxygen for longer periods of time in babies i wonder if Crazy that's stuff. because like we've like evolutionarily learnt that lullabies are a good thing and like babies have adapted responded to that over time i thought nah that's like that can only be that can be passed down well i, I mean I, like I, if you think I, about I our it. relationship with dogs similar stuff happens to them and it's just the dog adaptation over time to respond to like us. Like humans naturally speak in a higher tone to dogs. <laughs> Tom, and dogs if respond. you want to do a scientific paper that says is Twinkle Twinkle Little Star passed down, uh, go for it. Uh, I'll look at it. I'll look at it. I'll let you guys know. Yeah. Uh, my final thing. I know we've been harping on now for <laughs> an hour and a bit. Uh, music anadonia. What's that? It's the disgusting neurological neurological condition that individuals have the incapacity to enjoy music. That I joke sucks. about that being disgusting. Like I truly feel sorry for the for the three to five percent of the population who just is it really that high. Yeah, it is. Um, it's. So one notable finding is relevant to the phenomenon was born out of the scientific study conducted in 2014, which revealed that. While those exhibiting music anhedonia do not have a problem comprehending music, they simply fail to experience or exhibit any material form of positive emotional response to it, which is even worse than just like saying, oh, they don't enjoy it. They, <laughs> they fail to produce a positive emotional response from listening to any music. I'm just like, oh, it's not that, that they hate it, suck. it's just that they don't like music. Yeah, no, it no, no, gives it's nothing to it's, them. It's, it's yeah, yeah. I, don't, I never said they hate it. I just said they they have an no, no, incapacity no, to yes. enjoy it. No, I wasn't <laughs> trying to say you did. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, I. Well, you went to school with someone that had this. 
by the way. Did we? Yeah. And I, this is my math class, uh, I'm primary school and secondary school, and I just couldn't wrap my head around it. Because trying to talk to someone, when you're that age, because I've been talking like, about the whole, like, you, your identity and where do you get your music taste from at the age of 14. Yeah. Like, being at that age and trying to talk some, to someone, be like, oh, so yeah, so what are you listening to? What, what, what have you seen? What's going on? And they're like, oh, sorry, I don't listen to music. It's just like... <laughs> like trying to talk to someone now and being like oh yeah sorry i don't i don't watch tv i don't read books don't listen to music like do you just like go outside and walk around been any good walks recently like <laughs> had any good walls that you stared at that you you want to you know pass on yeah weird yeah it is crazy yeah Jeez. i can't i can't imagine it but i i lit i i must listen to music about six hours a day Minimum. So, really funny. I haven't signed in, signed an NDA yet, but I got <laughs> I got an email from Spotify, right? Yeah. Um, let me have a look. That said, um, top UK user invitation to participate in Spotify research. Did you know you were one of the top Spotify users in the UK in 2022? So the research team was looking for you to do a research study. Yeah, got, fair. Got that. Got that. Yeah, I got that last week. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, I think last year and the year before, I did not listen that much, but uh, this year I, I, I have. Yeah. Fun times. All right then. Well, we're over the hour, quite a bit. Yeah. So I think that will bring us to a wrap. Don't forget to share this with your friends, families, anyone who will listen. Throw us a follow, whichever platform you're listening on. And if you are inclined to use any of the socials, um, the platform which was once known as Twitter, you can find us at if Info Entropy Pod. <laughs> uh, TikTok has the same handle. Instagram is Information Entropy Pod. And yeah, of course, whichever directory you're currently listening on, if you give us a rate, uh, rate, a rate, a rating, yeah. you, <laughs> a like, follow, follow whatever it is. Mate. They'll all stop listening now. Hopefully after yeah. the one hour, ten minutes. The thing is, on Spotify, you can see when people stop listening. Yes. You didn't know. Yes. <laughs> so if there's a massive dip, it's either the end of the show or people will just stop listening. Yeah. Well, we, we said something and offended someone. Anyway, that'll do it. Catch you guys next week. Peace. Ciao for now.